Welcome to Heaven Sent and Bent on TalkZone.com, a place to talk about the experiences that we call life. We'll share the sorrow and the joy that makes this earthy existence real and makes us who we are. Now, here's your host, Renee Steelman. Hi. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. I am Renee Steelman, your host of Heaven Sent and Bent, and we are going to be talking about autism today on this beautiful Monday. Um, autism is something that has uh, influenced and is now a part of my life um, more more distinctly. It is a part of my children's lives, for they are the ones that have children that have been diagnosed with autism. Um, it's something that is, I think, a fairly new um, epidemic. It's not anything that I grew up hearing about. I have 16, 18, I actually started counting them this morning, uh, cousins. Um, none of my cousins have uh, any kind of disabilities. Um, none of their children have um well, I, I can't say that. Some of their children have disabilities. None of my aunts and uncles um, had any kind of disabilities, and nor did any of my friends in high school. Of course, in those days, we didn't see disabilities in the schools. They didn't uh, include children with disabilities in the schools. But autism is, I believe, an epidemic. Um, I compare it to other um disabilities, diseases, and things that are going on in the world. And I think the statistics are absolutely alarming. Um, the autism prevalence, uh, the statistics coming from 2014 from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention are saying that one in every 68 children, 42 boys and one in 189 girls are being di- diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. And I think that's absolutely um insane and i think it's it, it probably is striking fear in the hearts of many couples who are contemplating the idea of having a child with statistics where one in every 68 children will be diagnosed with autism and i think you know if you compare that to other diseases that are going on breast cancer and uh aids and all of the things that are in the news that are top priority as far as fundraising goes and things like that there just seems to be an avoidance and maybe i'm not looking in the right place but there there doesn't seem to be there seems to be more um outcry from people who are searching for the answer to what is causing this autism there seems to be more of a backlash against things that are being brought up, what could be causing it? And when, when anyone mentions, well, I don't know, could it be vaccines? Could it be environmental pollutants? Uh, what is it that's causing this high degree of diagnosis in children? There seems to be more effort and, and um, uh, news about the backlash against those questions rather than actually forming together as a group and saying we need to find what the answers are. So through my contact with with um, different people who are struggling with trials and, and going through adversity, <clears throat> I came across Nikki. And Nikki has a blog, and it's called Nikki's Day with Autism.com. And that is N-I-C-K-Y-S-D-A-Y 
withautism.com. And she very, very lightly just journals, keeps a record of what it's like to be a mother of a child with autism. And what I loved about speaking with Nikki was, <clears throat> excuse me, that, um, you know, she started this blog and I'll let her tell her story, but she hasn't had her blog for a very, a very long time, but she reached out to the community and it has helped her so much. And that's really what Heaven Sent and Bent is about, is getting the word out about different adversities, different trials that we all have, and how we are a, a service to each other, how we help each other going through our trials. So, Nikki, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Very well, excited. Well, I am so excited as well. And um, Nikki is actually calling from Florida. And um, what what uh, general part of Florida are you from, Nikki? South Florida, Broward County area. Okay, okay. My, my only experience with Florida is um, I actually served in the U.S. Navy, and so I went to boot camp in Pensacola. And I remember so distinctly, I mean, I grew up in just south of Chicago, so I'm used to humidity, right? But my, my parents had moved to the Pacific Northwest, and so I had spent the last year in the Pacific Northwest, and I think very quickly I had forgotten, you know, what uh, extreme weather was all about. Yeah. So I just remember getting off that plane, and it was like... I sucked it like I can't breathe and I just remember that was my first experience with Florida and then the second thing I remembered was walking down the streets of Pensacola and watching cockroaches walk across the sidewalk and I swear they were the size of a dog you know (laughs) but you grew up in Florida so you grew up with this roaches yes I did I grew up here I grew up here born and raised Okay, yes, so you 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 acclimated and and you're used to it. So definitely, definitely. Right. So, so you were born and raised in South Florida, and you are an educator. So tell us about. And I cannot believe you teach middle school. That is like, oh man, it's so yeah. difficult. It really is, but I love it. I love it. I cannot lie. I go back every school year. I love what I do, even as difficult as it is. I do. yeah. It's a hard age. Children are going through transitions at that time yeah. and and they don't know who they are. They're trying to figure out who they are and they're trying to find yes. where they belong and whoo, it's crazy. Yes, the middle grades are I believe the most difficult to teach, but rewarding at the same time. Um I love it. That's amazing. And thank heavens we have people like you that are willing to go into those trenches. <laughs> called middle school. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I love it. So I've been doing it for a long you, time. Yeah, absolutely. And you are, you're married, you are a mother of two, and you have yeah. a child who is 11 years old that was diagnosed with autism yeah. at the age of three. So tell yeah. us about how that came, you know, how, you know, how, how, you know, you have your baby, and tell us yeah. just about how you started, what you started to see and what led you to that diagnosis. Okay, well, MJ was born in 2004, and regular birth, everything was normal. There were no complaints. Um, He met every milestone he was supposed to make. He sat up when he was supposed to sit up. He talked. He babbled. He did the the pincher grasp that they say babies are supposed to make. He was always smiling, always happy. I saw no signs of anything 
while we were here living in Florida. In 2005, we moved to Georgia, and MJ was a little over a year old. And it was at that time when we took him to a doctor's appointment. Um, I will say this. He did receive the the vaccine um, that a lot of people speak about now. And I just have to say, from my experience, that is when we began to see a change. The words that MJ would say, you know, ball and mommy and video and all of those things, he slowly stopped saying them. We thought it was a speech delay. We really did. It was our first child. You know, he, he's happy. Everything is normal. At first, that's what we thought. Mm-hmm. So um, taking him to the doctor, the doctor said, don't worry about it. He's a boy. Boys take longer to speak sometimes. Mm-hmm. So we, me and my husband, we agreed. We said, okay, we're listening to what the doctor says. So we waited. As we were waiting, it's really through picking him up and taking him to daycare that we noticed some of the other children his age. And I remember one time where a a little uh, boy walked up to me and said, hi, are you MJ's mom? And in my head I'm thinking, wow, wow, this this little kid is, is speaking in a sentence to me. And then, of course, I'm thinking, well, what about MJ? Why isn't he speaking like this? Okay, but then my mind goes back to, well, the doctor said wait, the doctor said wait. Okay, so he's in another daycare. Um, We take him back to the doctor and express concern again. Yet again, we're told to wait that everything is fine. Mind mind you, at this doctor's appointment, MJ was bouncing off the wall. He was so hyper. I'll never forget it. He was so hyper. He would not sit still. He was under the the table in in the room, happy, but just bouncing everywhere. The doctor never once said anything about his behavior being abnormal, nothing of the sort. One day when we were in daycare, I went to pick him up, and the lady stopped me at the front, and she said, I need to speak with you and your husband. And I said, okay. Um, We went to the side, and she said, a speech pathologist came in to visit one of our other children and she noticed MJ and she said MJ was in the corner he wasn't playing with the other children and while she was servicing the child she went to service she couldn't help but keep looking over at MJ and she told them before she left tell the parents of that little boy to get him tested immediately Wow. So, you know, not what you want to hear when you go to pick your child up from daycare. No. Um, so at that, I said, I definitely, I can't ignore it. I cannot ignore it. So that's when we began the steps and we contacted um, the school system and they sent somebody out to actually test him. Um, I started doing research then. And every time I did research, I said, it can't be autism. There's no way this kid is, um, he knows his ABCs. He knows his numbers. He smiles. He points. So everything that I saw at that time didn't match up to MJ. So um, they went to the daycare. They tested him a little bit there. I had to fill out lots of paperwork. They came to our home and they did a visit. And it was at that visit um, she didn't say autism, but
but she said something like he had behaviors that were consistent with autism. Mm. Still, I'm thinking this lady's crazy. <laughs> she doesn't know what right. she's saying because clearly my son does not have autism. He can't have a- autism. He's too smart. This is what I'm thinking in my mind. Right. Um, at that point, he was signed up for um, a special needs pre-K. He was three years old. He was signed up for the pre-K. When he entered the pre-K in August at three years old, we were thrilled because we were like, okay, in our minds, it's still a speech delay. And we're thinking, great, he's going to be able to get therapy. I can't believe we don't have to pay for it. We were actually excited about it. Mm -hmm. About two months into the school year, they called us in for a conference. Um, as a teacher, I'm thinking, this is awesome. Wow, an early conference. Um, I'll, I'll get to see some of his work and what he's up to. So we went in, and it was when we went in and sat down, it was his special needs pre-K teacher and a speech therapist. And when we sat down, I just, I knew something was different about disappointment. They weren't smiling. They weren't mm-hmm. happy. When we sat down, they started again telling us about the behaviors that MJ exhibited. And because in the school system, they really can't come out and say, hey, your child has blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, again, with the verbiage, it was your child has behaviors that are consistent with autism. Mm-hmm. And this is what we see, and this is why we think he has it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> at that wow. point, um, you, you kind of zone out. At that right. point, I did kind of zone out and just think, what 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 are they saying? What what are what are they talking about? Right. Um, my husband was very upset, extremely mm. upset. Um, the speech therapist um, was a little bit too blunt in her mm. delivery at the mm. time, and basically telling us that he would never communicate. <gasps> you know, she doesn't know. Yes, that's what she said. That's what she said, that he would never communicate and we need to, um, how did she say it? We need to look for ways, alternate ways for him to be able to communicate because he may not speak. Something like wow. that, she said, that he may not speak right, where we would be able to understand what he's saying. Right. Um, that uh, After that appointment, that's when we started to fill out more paperwork. And, and I'll never forget that day because I actually had to go into work after that. Marvel, and there's no way that I can go and teach children Right. stand up after hearing that. So I sat in my car for about an hour crying and called a co-worker and told her, you know, please cover for me. I I cannot go in there now. There's no way I'm going to be able to teach. So thank God for people like that that were there. My husband was very upset, and I really don't think we even spoke about it for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. In our own way, we had to kind of deal with what we heard. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. after filling out all the paperwork, um, they did come back with uh, a report saying that autism is likely, is how they put it. Hmm. Um, and at that point, I, I went to work on the computer. I mean, I, I went to work yeah. with reading, reading as much as I can read, um, getting back on the internet, um, trying to find doctors. Yeah. Um, that was incredible. Just trying to find a, a doctor and back then, I, I don't know if they still call it developmental pediatrician, but that was the name um, when he was diagnosed. And I called them and of course I'm thinking, you know, 
they're doctors. They're going to take my insurance. I'm a teacher. No, they did not. They did not take <gasps> any insurance. Nothing. So that was one of the most surprising things to me. As I said, wow, these doctors, they don't take insurance. These um, doctors that are supposed to be specialists in treating mm-hmm. autism. When I did get a price, it, I, I did laugh because <laughs> I knew there was no way we were going to be able to afford the amount that they were telling me. It was in the thousands. I was going to say, so was this just for an an initial evaluation? Like if you, you know, bring him in, we'll do an evaluation and it will, and we don't accept insurance and it'll be $1,500 or something like that. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. Oh my gosh. So I called several developmental pediatricians and could not find one that even had a decent payment plan or, or anything that we could, that we could be a part of. So it was, so difficult and I could not believe it. I said, but we cannot be the only one going through this. We just can't. So I said, you know what? I have to do what I can do at home. I have to help this kid. Um, I gave myself a couple of days of crying and, and just wanting to stay in bed and, and not do anything. But, but after that, I had to get on the ball. And at mm. the same time um, MJ was diagnosed, I was pregnant with my daughter. Oh. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that I did not know that MJ was going to have autism before I got pregnant. I would not have had Morgan. I was going to ask you about that. I was going to ask you about that. So you were already pregnant and now you're going through this loss and now you're probably terrified. Terrified. Yeah. Yeah. Terrified. Every movement (laughs) she made, every smile, every, okay, is she going to do this? I mean, uh, it was, it was really difficult because you're so happy for this brand new baby. And at the same time, you're so scared because you don't want to see any signs of what you now know to be autism, mm-hmm. you know? So that part was really, really difficult. Um, throughout the search for trying to find a doctor, um, thank goodness for Google. Um, I Googled developmental pediatricians in Georgia. And a person came up, his name was Dr. Rubin, and he held an autism clinic, I think it was once or twice a month for people like me who could not afford to go to his regular private practice or any of the other developmental pediatricians. And it was a godsend. I was so excited to finally find somebody that can see my child, give me a definitive answer of autism, and then hopefully allow us to get extra therapy outside of the home or at the time I was even considering medication, anything mm-hmm. to help us. Mm-hmm. Um, I made an appointment. We went to that appointment. Um, I will not lie. I will tell the truth. It was horrifying to sit in the waiting room because it was just a room full of kids with autism and um, the behaviors were were. Oh man, it was so difficult. Startling. You know, they were. Yeah, startling. It, it yeah. really was. It really was. I, I just had to. And it, it and it, it is, is a spectrum. So you're going to see yeah, different ranges. Range, but you're, yes. of course, you're in, you're still in shock. So you're looking yes. at worst case scenario. Yes. Yes. And, um, basically all, all of our children were, were doing, you know, what, what we do swimming and doing other repetitive behaviors and being loud and throwing toys and, I remember looking at every mother, and it was kind of that, I understand. You know, when you look oh. in their eyes, it's like, okay, I understand. 
I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to judge your child and the behavior that they're doing right now because we, we all got it in that waiting room. But it was very difficult right. sitting there. Right. Um, yeah, right. Very difficult sitting there. Um, the doctor yeah. did eventually see him, diagnose him, um, which we already knew with, with autism, um, and wrote us prescriptions for additional speech therapy and occupational therapy. Um, oh. He even gave me a prescription for medication. And um, we were going back. For you or for him? We wanted to do this. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Really yeah. Should have been for me, Somebody but, in this room's um, going to get medicated. <laughs> Take a choice. Pick one. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so he, we went back and forth thinking, should we do this? But at the time, MJ was so hyper and it was a safety uh-huh. issue. If we didn't have a death grip on this child's hand walking out the front door, he was gone. He was in the middle of the road before you can bat your eyelash. And it happened yeah. all of the time. And we're just thinking, oh, safety, safety. We gave yes. him the medication once. Never gave it to him again. He wasn't really? my MJ. He was not my MJ. He was, ah, I don't want to start crying. He was sad. He was. Oh. Ah. Wow. Instantly you saw a different person. He wasn't just, my it MJ. Put, did it put him it into more of like a, just a zombie mode? Just kind of a yeah. blank? That's exactly what it was. And I said, oh, my gosh, look at him. We never gave him that medication again. We never uh, did. I said, I, well, I would What was the medication, if you don't mind my asking? Oh, gosh, what was it? It was a popular one that they were giving back then. Like Adderall oh, or Ritalin or? Ritalin. Oh, okay, yeah. Ritalin. It, it, it just was horrible. And I said, I, I, there's just no way. There's no way I'm giving yeah. this to my child again. Now, it right. works for people. Fabulous. That's yeah. awesome. But for, for us and for MJ, I just couldn't do it. It totally, totally changed him. He was just a zombie. He just, and that was just the first little dose. And I said this. Mm. And so it really did scare me to the point that we didn't want to do that again. And so right. we have to just find ways to, to deal with the behavior um, and with how loud he was and, and he was <laughs> just withdrawing stuff and demolishing things. And at the time, I, I have a baby. And so oh. times they couldn't be in the same room. It would break my heart because I couldn't have him in the same room with her a lot of the time because he would hurt her, but not on purpose, but right. it was a toy and maybe it'll hit her head. And we were just, right. so we, we did what we could. Right. Okay. So, so let me, let me stop you here for a second because like you say, in the meantime, you know, while you're, you know, taking him back and forth to the doctor, Mm -hmm. you are also going to the doctor because you're pregnant and you're, and you're, and you're going to have a newborn baby. And, Mm -hmm. um, so you're going through physical changes where, like you say, you've got a, a very active little boy. But you're, you know, you're going through a pregnancy and there's, yeah. there has to be a time when, you know, getting up, getting down, running after somebody, being able to chase after this little guy yes. is insane. Did you have family around? Did you have help? How did you do that? Thank God for my husband. Um, he's yeah. teamwork, just supportive when it comes to helping me. And my mm-hmm. family did what they could, but for us, it wasn't enough. We needed so much help at that time. And literally, I say it all the time, it was one day at a time. It was just 
going day by day and seeing what we can do in that day to get through it and to handle it. Of course, so, and now you um, had also, you know, going back, you had moved to Georgia, so your family was in southern Florida. Some of them were in Florida and some of them were in Georgia. So we okay, had, good. you know, family in both places. So when okay. my family could help, they did. But right. it, it, it just, you know, it wasn't enough for what we needed at the right. time. And Nikki, yeah, so talk to me a little bit about, just to, and don't lose your train of thought. Write this down so you don't lose your train of thought because I want you to go back. But just <laughs> for a brief second, I want you to just address, because I've, I've, I've read some blogs and I actually, there was one website that I was following for a while and I really enjoyed it, but I had to stop reading it because the comments and the blog entries started to get so negative and they were, especially wow. negative about family, extended family, who did not accept their child, who, like, for example, oh they would God. be willing to take the normal children or whatever they consider normal, but they wouldn't take their child that had autism because of the, the safety issues wow. and this kind of stuff. And so the parents were, you know, so talk a little bit about how, like you say, you had family that came in, but there had to be times when even your family said, we can't handle this. Did you have that? Thankfully, no, I didn't have oh, that. And if I did Blessing. have that, they never said it to me. You know what okay. I mean? Even if they, they were talking behind your back. Right, <laughs> exactly. yeah. if, even if they thought that, they never told us. They, okay. they took MJ. They, they were able to work with him and bond mm-hmm. with them. And so I'm so happy that I never had a family member that said, oh, we can't do this. That would be a nightmare. Okay. Because you need yeah. that support so bad. Yeah. You need the support from family and friends who really, yeah. really get it. Right. Who really right. get it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mentioned yesterday I had to talk in church a little bit. And I, one of the things I said was, I, I don't know whether it's a blessing or a curse, but, um, my children all grew up with siblings that, you know, were diagnosed as hyperactive. Oh, you know, we, like I said, we didn't have autism. We had cerebral palsy, but, but that's a whole different thing. And it's, it's not a, a hyperactive type issue, but you know, I, I have boys, I have four boys. And so they, we had some hyperactive issues. So my children grew up with that. And then each one of them have at least one child that we can officially diagnose as being a very active person, you know? Wow. And so yeah. because of that, they all, like you say, they all look at each other. No one judges. Everyone yeah. understands. Everyone's uh-huh. willing to take That's each other's so children. Great. And it's such a blessing to, it really is. You, you almost have to, I almost feel sorry for families who have perfect children. It's like, I'm sorry <laughs> that you won't understand what the rest of us have to live with. But anyway, so exactly. I'm so glad that you had that in your family, people yeah. who were willing to give you that break because you really do have to have respite of some you, kind. You have to have it. There's no way we would have made it. And we didn't even have what we needed. We we really didn't. We needed at least once a week, we need a break. Right. We need right. once a week to go to Walmart without the kids and right. just shop like a normal person and just get things done. Um, we needed more help. We, we really did need more help, but they did what they could. And um, I wrote on the blog the other day about care.com, and this is a whole different story, but I called 
um, I called someone from that website, found a babysitter, and we've been using the person for over a year, and she's awesome with MJ. And that's really? now that we've gotten, yes, additional help. It, I, it was scary, but I had to do something. That's, uh, that's, you know what? That is a great message. And I hope that everyone out there is listening that, it, you know, it's a, a, a terrifying step to take because you know your child better than anyone else. Yeah. And you know they're little, because they're nonverbal, because they, they aren't able to communicate, you know them. You know what their little sounds mean. And so that yeah. makes you terrified to leave that child with anyone else. And, and there, and therefore you're gonna just wither. You're just gonna wither and, and you'll have right. a nervous breakdown. You have to be able to trust yes. others yes. to, to, and help you. So care.com, is that a, a national website that will, uh, believe, hook you in? Yes, I believe that it is. And it's just nannies and babysitters of all kinds. And, and I actually didn't call them until we moved back to Florida. Huh? I, I tried huh? to call them in Georgia, but I allowed the fear to take over and I huh? didn't do it. But once That's we moved amazing. back to Florida, I said, I can't allow this fear to, to, to rule me right now. I have to do what I know is best for the family and what's going to work. And thankfully, we were blessed with a wonderful, wonderful person. So, now, and when awesome. you, uh, were filling out the application or looking for someone, you mm-hmm. said, I have a child with autism. I need yeah. a caregiver. Yeah. And they were okay with that. They were able to find someone they that were okay with that. They were okay, okay with that. We had um, an extended conversation on the phone. Um, then we met face-to-face um, for a while and discussed everything with both of the children. She did a trial run, and she's been awesome. He wow. loves when she comes over. Yeah, it's really, really great. But that would have never happened if I didn't forget the yeah. fear and actually make that phone call. Oh, good yeah. for you. I'm glad you got that message in. That's amazing. So so keep going. Talk a little bit more about how you were still living in Georgia at the time. Still living and, in Georgia at the time. Yep. Okay. And you're still trying okay. to get services and help. And then tell everyone about yeah. your decision to move back to Florida. Okay. Well, when we were in Georgia, at the, at the time, there just wasn't enough services in our area where we lived. And in my opinion, you have to have a lot of money for to receive some of the things, which we just didn't have. We just didn't have right. it. Um, right. The school that he was in down there was maybe one of the first schools that had an autism classroom, which I was really, really happy about. But it was like one of two schools. There wasn't a selection. I couldn't, be, you know, choose what school would be better or what teacher would be better. It was kind of like, well, this is all we have, so this is where we need to place him. Uh, uh, with with the standardized test that you know kids have to take, thankfully, mm-hmm. MJ can read. That's a, a whole different story. I never thought he would be able to read. He could read, but at the time, MJ could not understand what he was reading, and yet uh, they still wanted him to take the standardized test. No I, way. Yes, oh, my yes. gosh. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't. I said, you're expecting this kid here to sit yeah. down for an yeah. hour, two hours, read all of this information, understand all of that information, read the question, understand the question, and then go back and pick a right answer? They said yes, because <gasps> he can read. 
said, so because he can read words, this is what my child has to do. I went back and forth, and they they said they, they couldn't do it. They couldn't make any changes. They made a slight change. They didn't make a slight change with the actual test, but it still wasn't enough. Um. I got now you're down. you're an educator, so you must have been even yes. fifty times yes. more frustrated because you know if someone hands me a, a, a copy and the entire uh, the entire paragraph is in French, I could read it probably. I could sound <laughs> out you know the letters. That doesn't right. mean I know what I've said or that exactly. I understand anything. But yeah, yeah, show me an E, I can probably pronounce it. Probably won't right. be right, correct? You know right. what I mean? But so he's memorized the sound of these shapes, uh-huh. and yeah. they're still thinking, well, since he can memorize the sound of these shapes, he must be able to understand. Oh, my gosh. Exactly. Uh, that <sighs> I could not believe it. And just, um, you know, other little things that, that we were turned down for, like going, I, I went to two parks in my area about swimming lessons for him. I was turned down by both parks saying that they don't have any lessons um, for kids with special needs. Um, um, so just little things like that and the fact that we knew that my husband's family that now lives, you know, in, in Florida, we would have maybe some more consistent help also. So with all of that in mind, we started thinking about really, really making the move back to Florida. So... I started to do research on the schools for my kids, and I was pleasantly surprised with the amount of classrooms that were available here, um, where we live here, instead of where we were in Georgia. It was such a big difference. There were maybe 20 classrooms, schools that I could choose from here as opposed to there. Um, I heard it's different now, which is fabulous, but... There wasn't any, you know, at that time. So I started calling the school board, speaking to people, finding out, you know, what's the best school, where can I put him, and all of that. Then we had to look for a place to live. We had to deal with our house in Georgia. So it was just a lot. I took a pay cut moving here, a large one. But it has been the best thing we ever did. Best thing we ever did. Just Yes, it's, it's been amazing. It really has what a sacrifice. Women. And and I think I remember yeah. you telling me that your husband is an educator as well. Yeah. So yeah. you yeah. both had to make that change and yeah. and uh, uh and, certification, all of all of that all of that, yeah. Now and are the uh did were there any kind of changes in benefits as far as you know, teaching opportunities. Did you find that there were uh, enough teaching opportunities for you and your husband that it was like, well, like you say, making a, a pay cut, that's a huge sacrifice. Yes. But there were opportunities, so you... Yes, yes, there were. Not as much as we'd like, but uh-huh. um, thank God we were able to, to get something when we right. moved here. So it, it, right. yeah, it's been great. That right. part has been great. And just with, with school, and remember the test that I was just speaking about? Uh-huh. Uh, what a breath of fresh air where here it was almost automatic. I didn't have to worry about him taking the standardized test here. They okay. gave him a different type of test where they would ask him questions and see what he can do and give him different manipulatives. And it, it's been it's been awesome. It really has been such a big change. So between that and they have um, he actually just learned how to swim. Yay. So happy. 
happy about that. Wow. He, now, yeah, did you do the, before. did you do a program? Does he ride a bike? Is he able to ride a bike? Oh. <laughs> no, we have tried and we have tried and we have paused that for a minute, but no. He, he was riding Isn't... one with training wheels. Uh huh. But, um, that's as far as we've gotten. Isn't that something? There's so many things. And again, this is why we need the community of people to help each other. We have living about three houses down from us. There's a, a family down there. They have two boys. Both of their boys are on the spectrum. And we were outside one day and my grandson was living with us at the time. And this was probably about four years ago. So he was about eight years old. And these little boys drove by and she said, Kathy said to me, Oh, hey, they just got through with a camp for autistic children, teaching them how to ride a bike. Wow. And I remember thinking, what? I mean, you don't think that that, that, yeah. that would be a thing, but the, um, wow. the ability to, to do that is just, it's just really hard with, for their little brains. Yeah. And here yeah. I was trying to okay. teach my grandson who, um, who like you, you know, I took him in. Now, fortunately, we live, near Portland and so and but but unfortunately Oregon Health Science is the only uh hospital or or uh program in the area that does that has a clinic that diagnoses that you can take your child to and get tested to see if they're on the spectrum and so they have literally a 2 year wait list and um wow. but I was able to get you know we waited the 2 years we got him in and he was tested mm-hmm. and they actually came back and said that he he, they didn't feel as though he was on the spectrum. I still don't believe it. Uh, but they did wow. come back and diagnose him as being severely attention deficit. And mm-hmm. so re- teaching him to ride a bike was, um, it took him, uh, a, probably a little over a year to learn how to do it. Wow. He still doesn't really enjoy it very much, but that's just something <laughs> that I, I, I would have never thought and bless those people for seeing a need and creating that's this so camp. Wonderful. That teaches oh. these little kids how to ride bikes. Something as simple, something that little that we take it, we just take for granted. Children, people oh, take, take them outside granted. one day. They, yes, mm-hmm. it's just it's, mm-hmm. people really don't understand. It's it's those things that they're not little to us. They're not little. They're not. Right. They're, they're, it's a big deal. The school um, that he's in now, last year and this year, they had free swimming lessons for two weeks at the end of each school year. That is how my son learned to swim. It's through those wonderful people that took these kids during the school day on a field trip for two weeks straight. He can now swim. And you know what? Is MJ uh, extremely uh, attracted to water? He loves the water. That's why it was imperative that he learned. Yeah, and I think people need to understand that. There's something about that. I'm sorry. There's something about that autism. Uh, my my grandkids uh, absolutely love the water, and we had one of yeah. our little guys. Actually, we have an above ground, just a one of those blow up pools, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, my son had come over with his two boys, and um, they all of a sudden, my other grandson came running in. He goes, uh, uh, you know, he fell in the pool. And we ran back there and wow. he had crawled over the side. Now, fortunately, he's a big kid, but he, so he was able to keep his head above mm-hmm. the water. But yeah, getting, getting your kids into swimming lessons, if they're autistic, is, should probably be so high up on your list because yeah. for some reason, they love water. Love water. And that's, yeah. that's my son. He loves water. So, you know, I had to make sure that he, he learned. 
And thankfully, yeah. he learned from the right people. Really right. excited about that. Really, really excited. Now, was so, that a um, way for you to find, like we used to put our guys, we would put him in the bathtub and he would stay in that bathtub for 45 <laughs> minutes. That's how much he loved the water. And that gave me some respite. I could say, let's go take a bath. And we'd put him in the water with his toys. Did did you do that with MJ? No, no, that's funny. I wish I would have thought about that. But when MJ was younger, I used his bath time because he couldn't run. I used that yeah. as flashcards, card time, story time, let's sing the ABCs. I did everything while that little boy was in the bathtub because that's where he would not run. And he would still I love it. So, yeah, yeah, we had we beautiful oh, man, that coping that memory. Great, great memories. Yes. <laughs> you had him captive. That I love that. Yes. Yes, I, I did. Um, so, you know, thankfully, we're, we're here in Florida. Things have been much better. Um, he has extra therapy that he goes to every week for occupational therapy. Um, I've been pleased with the schools in the area. There's also other sporting um clubs and activities and, and organizations here, but MJ, <laughs> he's not showing any interest in any of them. Um, right. So I'm going to try again, but I'm not sure yet, but he, he could care less right now about baseball. Um, he does like basketball, but on his own terms. So it's, it's difficult to get him into some of those things, but that's why right. the things that I know he loves, like the swimming, um, he enjoys bowling, things like that. We, we, we just expose him to it as much as we possibly can. As right, much as right. we can. Yes. And that, that's the, the thing about the, uh, the difference between, like you were mentioning, um, when you took him to the doctor and he was so hyperactive and just bouncing off the walls. It's, it's, uh, because hyperactivity, you know, um, has been around for 40 years and it's been accepted as a diagnosis. And I do believe that doctors and even um, some professionals, because we kind of did the same thing trying to find doctors before I could get him up to the clinic, trying to find doctors that would give him a diagnosis because, right, and this is right. a message that I also want to get out to you, uh, anyone that's listening, that you need to remember that the school's hands are bound. They can only right. do what they have to work within uh, 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 the paperwork within all of the tape. Right. And so in order for him to get an IEP, in order for him to get the special mm-hmm. needs that he needed, like you said, speech therapy or occupational therapy, there had mm-hmm. to be a diagnosis, and that diagnosis right. had to come from a medical authority. So yes. if you're like Nikki and I living in areas where there aren't a lot of professionals that can give you that diagnosis, uh, boy, that is the most frustrating and... Yes. Um, it, it probably causes more uh, grief even because you know what you need and you know what you could do, but you have to have that piece of paper from a professional. And when you can't get that, it is mm-hmm. so frustrating. And so he would get yeah. diagnosed with being hyperactive, but it's like, but listen, the hyperactivity is a symptom of this right. larger problem. And just like, and I, we had the same thing. We put him in the school Within a day, I had the school nurse calling me, and she was absolutely just, you know, put off. Wow. She she called wow. me with this, do you have any idea of how active your oh grandson is? And I was like, absolutely. Well, have you considered <laughs> Ritalin? 
you know, and this is a school nurse, and I'm like, have I considered Ritalin? Excuse me. Hello. Let me put the phone down while I go scream, and then I'm going to come back. (laughs) It's like, why is that your first answer, first of all? Why is that? Why do we need to drug these children so that they'll sit in their little zombie states and not disrupt your classroom, you know? Um, But it took me, uh, you know, it took me a long time, and even like you said, when I finally took to, to a doctor where I could at least get a diagnosis of something that allowed us to get the IEP so yeah. that his education could be a little bit tweaked to serve him. Yeah. Uh, I still got cold shoulders. I still got walls. Oh, um, you know, sometimes our educators are just overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. They can't yeah. handle everything that's there that legally they have mm-hmm. to because of the inclusion yeah, so laws. True. Um, yeah. And so they're overwhelmed. And so I did have to find compassion for them, but it was a struggle. Mm-hmm. And even now at, you know, he's just ready to go into middle school and mm-hmm. I'm dreading. Oh, you're, you're, oh, talk about your blog because your last blog entry, oh, when you talked God. about having to put him in middle school. Oh. Wow. Just the minute you said it, my heart just sank. Every time I think about it, oh, because I, I wrote, I just wrote it in my blog. I think it was yesterday. I just put it in there that um, I try to pre- prepare him every time he goes to a different school. And part of that process for me is just driving him to the new school, allowing him to walk around a little bit, read the name of the school several times, um, look at the street that it's on, drive around the neighborhood, and and know the route for his routine in the morning before school starts. And and he's happy and he's. he's you know, playing in the back seat and having a good time. And meanwhile, I'm I'm scared out of my mind. I just have to be honest because it's not an easy thing to do. Elementary school made me feel a little cozy and warm and, oh, these are elementary teachers, you know what I mean? Middle yep. school is a totally different ballgame. You know, it's like, yep. okay, you're in middle school now. You know, this is not elementary school. We're not going to baby you. We're not going to do this and that. Um, and part of that is great. But for me, in my mind, I can't help but think of some of the things that I've seen just with bullying and, and other little issues. That may be little to other people, but they're not little to me. And first right. and foremost for us, really, is safety. Safety is number one, and then education yeah. is second. I say it all of the time. Um, oh, that's I, I a like good way of putting it. Semi-verbal, because he, he can speak, but yes and no type of things he can speak in sentences but you know very concrete type of things and i usually figure out what's going on with him by looking at his facial expression mm-hmm. if he looks a little weird you know then i can tell that something is going on but of course you know as you know if if i ask him you know mj what's wrong mm-hmm. he can't tell me what's wrong he may be able right. to say a word or two Right. But he can't really explain it to me, you know. So we have to do the best that we can to make sure he is in an appropriate school that knows how we feel. Safety is first. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the other thing, too, uh, Nikki, is the fact that you have a child that has a disability. Oftentimes, I have found this anyway. It may not be true for everyone. But oftentimes, when there is some kind of a... a, um, an event, something that happens on the playground, oftentimes the handicapped child will get the blame um, oh, because yes. people are already yes. assuming that this person is disabled and dysfunctional. And so if someone comes and says, this person pushed me or this person hit me or this person did that, or, this person did that, I often found, at least with my grandson, that um, 
yes, there was an altercation of some kind, but usually it was started because he did something as innocent as wanting to be a part of the group. And then the right. group rejected him. And then right. his only way of handling that rejection was to push somebody down. And so it wasn't an act exactly. of violence on his part or mm-hmm. it was simply his only way of coping with the rejection. And these kids, even though they're disabled, they know they don't fit in and they, mm-hmm. they know that something's off and, but they don't understand why. So they'll right. say, you know, he'll came home to me one time when he was in sixth grade and he said, Nana, I don't understand why I sat down and then everyone at the table got up and left. Uh, and how oh do you explain man. that? You know, and oh that's what God. you get, like you say, that's what you get in middle school. In elementary school, yeah. you've got, like you said, the wonderful assemblies and the kids are included in the classroom mm-hmm. and you have one right. teacher in one classroom and suddenly you're on this program mm-hmm. where you have four teachers and, and you're moving around from classroom to classroom and it, it's just chaos. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, so that's why my mind is, you know, yeah. the way that it is. And I've been praying and saying, okay, I need help. Um, help me, yeah. please, because MJ's just fine. He, he you know, he, he can't wait. He's excited, you know, yeah. and happy for his school. And, and I wrote in the blog, he kept saying, I'm a big boy. I'm a big boy. And uh-huh. I said, yes, you are. Um, yeah. But I, the anxiety for me is, is it's honestly there. It, it really is yeah. there. So I'm hoping that um, it subsides once school year starts, um, um, praying and hoping that he has an excellent teacher because I've been blessed with awesome teachers around MJ. I really have. Like throughout his entire elementary school years, we had awesome teachers. We really did. So my prayer is that it continues through middle school now. But, you know, the anxiety is always there and it never stops. Well, and I, what I appreciated about your, your blog entry was that you are an educator in middle school. So I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of times when parents have these, this anxiety and they talk about it, there's like a pushback from people who are educators who they'll say, well, you don't understand mm-hmm. this or you don't understand that. But you are an educator and you do teach right. kids and you're worried and you're frightened. And yes. I just loved your yeah. honesty. And I loved that you said, hey, I see what goes on. I know what goes on right. in, in middle it. school. Yes. Yeah. And, it's, and it's, thank you for being honest about that. And just, you know, I want to, and I, I talk a little bit. We just have about, we have a, about six more minutes left. Talk a little bit about why you started your blog and the, and what you have gotten from having your blog. The blog has been amazing. And I have to credit, um, my husband for, for pushing me to do it. He's been telling me to do it for a year, but in my mind, I'm saying, blog, what is the blog? What am I going to do? And as I researched it a little bit, I thought this could really be great, honestly, for me, a support group for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started in March, just, just March. And it's been awesome. The, the support, the advice, um, the, the just suggestions that you get of things that people are doing with their children that you never even thought of trying with yours. That oh. alone is, is worth it for me. And I get so much love and support from everybody that's following the blog and with the comments that they leave. It's really been wonderful. It's almost like getting a little hug from someone every day, every time I read the blog. And I don't go a day now without reading. I don't. Even if I'm not posting anything, I'm reading. 
um, what other parents are going through and their experiences and, and what they've done to cope and, and how they get through day by day. And, and it's good to know because a lot of people just want to say, oh, he's going to be fine. Oh, he's going to mm-hmm. be fine. And that's, that's just an easy answer that a lot of people say. But in our minds, we're like, well, we're, we're not quite there yet. You know, we're right. going day by day. And we're believing and hoping that, yes, everything is going to be fine, but mm-hmm. it's not an easy road. It's, it's not easy. Um, no. But we get through it. We get through it. And the blog has been one of those things that is helping me to get through it. Right. It's wonderful. And, and I, I, I like what it? you said. I like your honesty when you talked about yeah. the, the fact that you and your husband had to go through a grieving process. That when you got oh, yeah. that diagnosis, there was a loss felt. You almost felt as yeah. though the MJ that you knew, the happy little baby who was making every milestone, had, was gone. And exactly. and you now had to, yeah. it's almost like someone picked up that your baby, put him over uh-huh. here and handed you a new baby and said, right. now you have to deal with this. And I don't that, think people understand that grief. It is a grief process. Yes. And like you said, uh, comments that people would make, and I know my daughter has expressed this with, she has a three-year-old that's been diagnosed with autism, and she said she, she, what, what she really appreciated the most was having a friend, uh, who actually said, I'm sorry, uh, tell me more about yes. this, uh, and then, yes. and then accepted the diagnosis, Instead of people going, oh, like you said, oh, he'll be fine. You're so strong. You'll get yes. by. You know, or yeah. God gave you this trust so because true. he knew you could handle it. And, oh, you know, so, if I hear that one more time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're strong. God gave you this test. This is for you because you're, mm-hmm. he knew you could handle it. I know people, people, I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that because there are a lot of people who are given a lot of stuff that they can't handle. Yes. And yes. it's too much to handle on many, many days. So I thank you for sharing that, too. And I think also, Nikki, the other message that you've left with our listeners today is that you have to be your own advocate. You ha- you cannot. Exactly. Please stop listening to doctors. Please, people, stop yeah. listening to your doctors. If you need to make a change in your child's diet, do it. I don't care if your doctor says give them all the ice cream that they want or, or whatever it is. If you, you do your own research and you figure out what you need for your family. And, and, and I just, nothing frustrates me more than to have someone say, well, I thought blah, 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 but my doctor said no. So I just not do anything. You have to advocate for yourself. You have to, you have to listen to what they say on one hand. And then on the other hand, you still have to do your own research. And advocate for yourself, your child, and your family. Right, absolutely. And and I think you're so brave that you were. uh, And and I think it's sad, but that you know we do that you did have to move to an entire different state. And like you said, things have gotten better since you did that. And I do think that through different things like Autism Speaks and and different uh, programs that are out there, people are getting more aware. I do wish that people would stop. Uh, judging and, and, uh, you know, and really backlashing on families who are frightened over vaccines because yeah. you and so many other people that I know 
It might be a coincidence, but it just seems to be a repetitive coincidence that's just too much. So, right. you know, it, it, when when doctors and nurses, you know, they'll get on Facebook and they'll say, I'm a nurse. Studies have shown that there's no correlation. I I just, I, I always want to say, well, then wait until it happens to you. And then you'll question wow. that as well. Yeah, it's just, it. it's frustrating. But yeah. Nikki... Thank you mm-hmm. so much for taking time Thank out of your you. day. Please, uh, everyone, get on Nikki's Day with Autism dot com. Um, she just they're very. She just writes little. It's like a journal, just little bits of what yeah. her day was like. They're, it's not long. It's not involved. But I love the fact that we're the the great thing about blogs is that we do share with each other. We are there to help yeah. and support each other, and yeah. that's what it's supposed to be about. Yes. Thank you so much, Renee. It's been awesome. Yeah. Thank you. We will talk on the uh, on the blog soon. <laughs> yes. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. You too. I'm so glad that Nikki was willing to talk with me today. Like I said, I found her by accident. I love what Google and what Facebook and blogs, and I love the fact that it connects people. You know, I've spoken with people now in Florida, in Africa, in the Midwest, on the East Coast. Uh, we're all connected and the isolation that people used to feel, like I said, when I grew up in my school, there were no handicapped children in the school. People were isolated. They hid their children and we don't have to do that anymore and we can help each other throughout the na- through, internationally, nationally and internationally. I hope that you have all learned something today. Remember my quote, there are only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle and the other is though everything is a miracle. I hope you find some miracles in your life today and we'll talk next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.